Peter Nieburg is my very first podcast guest. He's 42 years old, married, has two daughters and lives in Silkeburg, Denmark. Peter is the founder of Outgrowth Partners since 2020. In this role, he supports lifestyle fashion brands with their growth and export business. But Peter is also shareholder from Textile Logistics Denmark, which he started in 2017, and House of Ecom 2021, an ecom consultancy. Before Peter started his own company, he had a successful career in fashion and worked for various companies and brands like Vagabond, Legoware, bestseller for the brand Selected, Knowledge Cotton Apparel, Suit and by Garment Makers. What made him decide to start his own company? And was it a good decision? How did he do it? And who supported him to make it happen? Why did he choose the name Outgrowth and Partners? And did he reach the goals as he planned? How did he survive the COVID crisis? And what are his future plans? What are his learnings? And what can he advise others to have a successful career? And of course, the key question, what was his, if you believe you can, moment? Welcome to the podcast, If You Believe You Can, about careers and success stories in the fashion industry. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Very happy to be here. Very exciting. It's the first podcast in my life and yours too. Most of yeah. Yeah. Peter and I met in July 2015, seven years ago, on a very last uh, bread and butter in Berlin, ah. a famous international fashion fair at Berlin Tempelhof Airport. I finished my working that day and I joined a glass of wine while I was sitting or more laying on a sit sack in front of a food truck together with somebody of my network. At that time, Peter, you were working for Knowledge Cotton Apparel as their international sales manager. Exactly. Do you remember this moment? I remember this moment and many other moments in Berlin at these fairs. There were fantastic times there. I think it was uh, maybe uh, even more, even better than fairs today. It was a place where we met uh, customers and we met uh, different people uh, and we networked a lot, networked a lot and got to know the, the right people and also there where, where we met. So um, I think it was a fantastic venue that I personally miss a little bit today. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It was not just a fair. It was like connection with fashion people all exactly. over the world. Huh? Yeah. It was amazing. It was a good time. Yeah. I remember we shared our uh, contact details. And uh, in the evening you called me and invited me for a dinner. Yes. In a very nice, uh, cool restaurant in the east of Berlin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you remember uh, uh, the setting and, and how it was? No, I, I remember very much that it was a time where at a, I was very open-minded in terms of meeting new people and I was becoming very aware that network in Europe in terms of uh, the fashion business uh, was extremely important. And I remember the, the minute I met you and you told me what you did and what you do, I thought it was uh, you are an important connection and uh, we talked and as very often when Dutch and Danish people meet, we uh, have a good communication because mentality-wise we're not so far from each other. So, um, so yeah, we met and I think, okay, why not uh, invite you for, for, the, for the team dinner yeah. uh, to meet also the, 
the owners of the company and, uh, and also my colleagues. And uh, as far as I remember, it was uh, was quite a nice evening and we connected and uh, yeah, gave us opportunity to work a little bit together. And we kept uh, contact since exactly. ever then. Eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We followed uh, a lot of uh, other fairs as well in Denmark and uh, with other companies as well. Yes. And uh, of course, uh, I knew you from the moment from Knowledge Cotton. I, I had uh, no idea what you did before, but after we stayed in contact, uh, you had a whole bunch of other uh, work experience in various roles. And uh, after your uh, study of business uh, college, you worked in London, you worked in Hamburg and various places in Denmark. Yes. Can you bring us back in the time when you studied uh, uh, this, uh, in Silk, uh, Silkenborg, yeah. your business college? Yeah. What kind of person were you and what were your dreams when you were younger? I, th- I think I had very big uh, ambitions and, and dreams. But uh, when I went to school every day and also to business school, I didn't really live after this. I was, I think, uh, back in, in school time, I was a little bit lazy. Uh, really? Yeah, I really was. I have to admit that uh, um, I was probably the guest of the week in the business school. You know, um, I was there as little as possible. Um, so I was maybe a bit in a, in a time where, in one way, I was very ambitious. I wanted to do a lot. But in another way, I didn't really, I didn't manage to to focus and, and to do what was important at that time. So I, I guess a, a a little bit immature in that way, but um, I learned later that uh, I had to learn new stuff all the time. So, uh. You were always interested in fashion uh, when you were in school. How did you arrive in the fashion? Yeah, actually I grew up with it because actually my, my grandfather and my father also was in the business for many, many years. So it was uh, I grew up seeing my father... Uh, create uh, various companies and struggling and having good times and bad times uh, running his own company in the in the production and fashion business so uh, so I kind of grew up with it and I guess as many other young guys when they see their father do something uh, they want to do the same so this was more or less the way it started yeah. so uh, the ambitions to do what my father did uh, and then obviously later on it grew into something totally different But uh, but still, it came from from you know uh, seeing what he did, and f- and I saw him travel around Europe also and meeting interesting people and doing business, and uh, so uh, I wanted to do the same. When you were on your education um, in like uh, 1998, I believe uh, you did uh, your study and you start working as an internship in Harrods. Mm. How did you find this opportunity? Because I yeah. think it's nice to start working in Harrods. Yeah. As a real story was after the first year in business school, um, I didn't I didn't do very well. I wasn't there a lot, so I was actually, to be quite honest, I was close to be thrown out of the school because really? uh, I was maybe there 80% of the time and I was supposed to <laughs> minimum be there maybe 90% of the time. So I was able to, to move on to second year business school, but I, I felt that I had no motivation And in that way, my parents had always have always been quite open-minded. So they said, "Do what you want to do. Just do it. Uh, do something that you want to do, and but do it 100%. You mm-hmm. can't just do it halfway." And then, as far as I remember, I, I had some friends who was a year or two, maybe two years older than me. They just came back from a year in London, and I met them, and they told me that it was actually an opportunity to find an apartment, a relatively not a nice apartment, but cheap apartments and live there it was actually realistic to get a job there so what I did uh, I um, 
after summer holidays, I took a job to earn a little bit of money. And basically, I went to London without anything. I rented one of these apartments. I remember they were around 250 pounds a month or something like this back then. And then uh, I moved in there and I walked around for one or two weeks to try and find a job at various hotels um, and got a job as a luggage porter and worked there two, three once uh, for uh, two months maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one night I went to one party. It's called back then it was called Scandinavian Nights, where all the Danish people met up in London. And I was very very lucky to meet a guy there who was uh, an department manager in Harrods menswear department, and we had a beer and we talked and he helped me to get a job there so that's the way I got in actually so was it uh, you did a young fashion department I believe yeah I started up in uh, in it's called Wayne Mintz where I think it's actually still there on the fourth floor in, yeah. in Harrods and I started up being responsible for folding Calvin Klein t-shirts and, and Levi's jeans at that jeans. time already yes So this was my responsibility uh, and I did that for eight, nine months and obviously I worked with a lot of people who was a lot older than me and they teach me a lot of things among others also about uh, retail but also about pubs and how you uh, how you act in a pub and how yeah. to have the, the best places in London where to go and party and all this stuff. So it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a nice year but also a little bit I was very young. I think I was, uh, back then I was 18 or 19 so it was, um, so it was quite tough sometimes to to be on your own but uh, but still a good as as I remember as far as I remember it was a good a good time yeah yeah and after you have done like very many uh, different jobs in different companies because you worked in menswear womenswear yes. yeah. children yeah. Uh, production uh, yes. private label yes so you have done uh, a lot of different uh, companies so what was like the job uh, you remember best in in sense of uh, what you really really liked to do I think in in uh, I have two jobs which meant a lot to me. I think the first job that meant a lot was definitely when I I got a job as a sales rep, uh, representative for a shoe brand where I was driving around in North and East Germany and selling shoes to to retailers because this was basically what I always wanted to do to be a sales guy. Uh, but uh, then to do it in the German market. We speak we speak about Vagabond. Vagabond, exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was uh, I was also relatively young when I got the job, and uh, it was a big challenge for me. It was like the first six months, as I remember, it was almost like I didn't didn't make it uh, because I think it was I thought it was a big pressure to speak uh, to go and visit these key accounts and and to speak German and and to fix everything. I was very much on my own. I didn't have any colleagues really. I was stationed in yeah. Hamburg, and the company was in Denmark. But uh, I, I worked there for two years in Germany and kind of got the feeling that, okay, I can do this, I can develop if I work hard. So I think this was extremely important for me also because I got to know a lot about the German culture and obviously the language. Um, so this was important. And then later on... Um, sorry, what was the difference with the culture of the German guys and the Danish? What oh, did you oh, learn from it? There was a lot. And I think when I, when, I, when I think back at the time, I thought back then that it was a complicated culture in Germany because they were mere... I thought maybe back then they were more rigid, more conservative and a bit more tough in terms of business. What I learned later on is actually that to work with German and, and uh, German Germany in general is maybe sometimes more easy because uh, in many ways a deal is a deal and what you see is what you get, where in Denmark sometimes it's more difficult and more complicated. So uh, I learned a lot about the language, about the mentality and how to speak to, to people up and down and to the sides and was was in many many ways a great challenge. And how did 
did you find Vagabond or Vagabond found you? I found Vagabond. Back then, uh, I think it was back at the time where George was still in the newspaper. And I saw in a big Danish newspaper that they were looking for salespeople in Germany. And I wrote a, a letter for and, and I got the job. So... Um, So that's the classic way back then, I guess. And the brand fit with you as a person? I think back then it, it, it probably didn't fit super well uh, because I was very fashionable. Then I was very much into fashion. Back then, Vagabond was very more like basic and it became more fashionable later, I think. Mm-hmm. But it didn't mean a lot to me if it was a brand that I would wear. It, it just meant a lot to me that I got the opportunity to go and, and work with, uh, with sales in that way. Mm-hmm. So that was... Uh, That was uh, cool for me. And after Vagabond, uh, how, uh, why did you decide to leave Vagabond? What happened? Actually, as far as I remember, uh, I was offered a job in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, uh, also for Vagabond, but in selling in Denmark also, mm-hmm. in, uh, in, uh, in the Danish area. So uh, actually, I stayed in the company and uh, then I did the same job, but I did it in Denmark. So that was also great to come home closer to family, but obviously the challenge wasn't that big as in Germany because in Germany it was both the mentality and the culture and the language, and in Denmark it was more the the, the selling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, after uh, Vagabond, you moved to uh, Kabugi, like Legoware. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this was Kidswear. I think this is like something totally different. Yeah, it, it was, and it, the job was also totally different. It was an export manager job where I was supposed to build up new markets. Mm-hmm. And as far as I remember, it was it was uh, the eastern markets, eastern Europe. It was Russia, Poland, and Czechia, and and also actually Holland, I think, and Belgium was my responsibility to build up from from zero. So I was very, I remember, I was very proud to get the job because it was uh, my first manager job, uh, and. And I was, I remember, I thought I was very well paid, and uh, but in many ways, my ability as a salesperson didn't really come into play in that role. Uh, so it was more like trying to find agents. And at, back then, I didn't have a network in Europe at all. Did you so find agents? At that I moment? found agents, yeah, but I, I don't remember as, as as very successful, to be honest, uh, for for either me or for for Kabuki. Yeah. Uh, but it was a it was an okay time, but but uh, it was not the Not not the perfect time, not the perfect uh, work for me. And I also remember after after Kabuki, actually, I took a, a short break to think about what I wanted to do and did very small jobs for a period until that, uh, until I found the, the right job. You think a lot about uh, your uh, career. Eh? You are somebody who is really thinking about your next step and about uh, new education or... You did uh, NPL uh, education as well. Yes. So you often think about next steps in your career as uh, a person. I'm, I'm definitely I'm an overthinker. Uh, yeah. I think a lot about stuff. But when I look back in my career and looking into the decision I've made, I don't always think I've been taking the right decisions. You think so you did or you I didn't? I, I don't think I always th- they took the right decisions. But but that also just shows that you can think in a lot about things and you can calculate a lot. But in the end, there's also a certain part of of life which are or maybe luck or maybe yeah what will happen you'll meet right people or wrong people and yeah. so so obviously i think it's uh, it's is important to think about your choices but don't overthink it sometimes just you know just do it and, and move on and take a chance yeah what was your best step in your career what you are really proud of that you have done it 
Hmm, I, I think my my I I think the times where I've been under pressure, maybe stopped in a job and need to find something new, and and the periods where I've, I've been a bit difficult, I think I've been quite good at finding creative solutions and mm-hmm. finding ways of making money in tough periods and and to basically to to hack it in difficult times. Yeah. I think that's probably I don't I don't think I have one situation where I say okay this was the best one, but I think. I'm quite proud of that, even though there have been tough times that I've managed to do them. In so uh, you worked for uh, Knowledge Cotton as we met. Yes. This was the company where you worked uh, longest in your career because yes. you had a lot of jobs where you worked like one year or two exactly. years. But this was a company where you stayed longest. Yeah. Uh, what was the reason that you worked longest and what was the success in this company that you stayed there so long? I think the reason that I worked there longest is that The, the 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 brand and the company at that time was on a journey where everything was developing so there was room for development and room for me I started as a as, as a sales representative and became a sales manager for Scandinavian in the end I was sales head of sales and sales manager internationally so I I, I think it was good for me to be in a place where I felt that if I did well I could grow and I could also get bigger responsibility um, and I think it was um, at that time it was uh, perfect for me to be in a place where it was uh, within menswear, which I knew very well, um, and it was also a quite international uh, company because we were already when I started working in a lot of uh, markets. So I felt quite home in that company. It was also a family-owned company; it still is a family-owned company. Uh, so I think I felt kind of safe and and. Uh, th- therefore, I also developed quite fast in that period. Yes. And you grew a lot of uh, customers. Huh? Can you tell also a little bit about uh, doing business with customers, like uh, funny situations or like how you grow the business from a certain amount to a higher uh, turnover? Yeah, I remember it's now, I think, since I started there in 2010. And uh, just from 2010 until now, online business has been growing a lot. So uh, I remember going to, for example, uh, the big online platforms with a budget on a certain level. And like which platform? Could like be Zalando. Zalando. Uh, for example, go and visit them and expect a, a, a certain budget. And then you come home with an order which are two, tri- three or four times as big. And because at that time, you know, we didn't expect a lot when we went to have meetings with these customers, but we got big orders. Uh, I also remember... Um, this sustainability part which was in 2010 you know not a lot of people were talking about the sustainable yeah, because fashion. this brand was sustainable well, cotton business, is eh? uh, one of the leasing menswear brands within sustainable fashion in, yeah. uh, in Scandinavia and maybe also in Europe so so um, so it was um, definitely a, an interesting time because we felt like we had something that was a little bit unique um, so um, in many ways that opened doors for, for knowledge cotton apparel at that time And um, it was it was fun to be part of that journey. It was really good times. You had also your partners in different countries and agents like uh, Holland or Benelux. Yes. And uh, can you tell a little bit uh, about this uh, this agents? Were they very much? Uh, did they understand the concept very well? And were they very uh, positive about the company? Or I think I think some did very well understand the concept and some didn't. Uh, but uh, they I think eventually they did. Uh, but but uh, I think most of them, they were. Knowledge Cotton was quite lucky to get the right agents relatively fast, and um, I think also for me to go and visit these agents and to especially trying to 
to manage these these agents was uh, was quite educational, and also it 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 also teach me that there was a difference between Holland and Belgium, and also German mentality. I knew that already, but now I got like an opportunity to learn the the practicality, the, the practical way to to how to to deal with an agent in. Finland, uh, of course, is different to deal with an agent in Holland or in, in south of Germany. And also for the first time, I was relatively young. I also needed to manage people who was uh, a bit older than me. And uh, that was also, I remember, a challenge, but um, a good, uh, good thing to learn. And uh, I remember the guys from Holland. Uh, we are in Holland now. Yeah. So uh, were they good uh, with Knowledge Cotton? They, they were a good partner for they, Knowledge Cotton? They did well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I remember, and I also remember visiting them a lot of times, and also being on the road with them visiting customers. Yeah. So I have good memories about uh, Roderick and uh, <laughs> Roderick boys. Roderick, I know which, him. Yeah. yeah, I haven't yeah. talked with them for a while actually, but I'm sure they're doing well still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember. I know him as well, and he, I think he's a very good guy for Knowledge uh, Cotton. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You worked also a very short time though for Bestseller Group for yes. the brand selected. Yes. Um, I think it's remarkable that the Danish uh, uh, fashion brands are so successful global. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering why why they are so successful internationally. Yeah. Because your country has only like uh, 5.9 million people. Yes. But you have huge brands like DK Company. IC Company is not there anymore, but they were really big as well. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think Bestseller is number one mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the market, but they do big business in yeah. China. Yeah. What is the reason that they are so successful? From what is the secret from Danish brands? I, I think you can split it up in, in, into. I think Bestseller is a story on its own. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, but the rest of the companies is, is. I think, I think the Danish mentality is a good mix of uh, creative mentality and, and and knowledge about design, and then also uh, a commercial mindset. And when you look south towards France and Italy and Spain. Most of them are very good at the at the creative sides, and they can create uh, nice products, nice design products. Mm-hmm. But in Denmark, we I think we are aware that we need to mix commercial uh, mindset with the creative mindset, and I think also the respect between the creative people and the commercial people is very much there in Denmark in the Danish companies. And I think if you put two different mindsets together and they respect each other, then you can be successful. So I think in Denmark we know what it takes. We know that you can't just do a business only being commercial. Or only being designed, you need to 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 find the right partners. Yeah, I heard once from the owners of DK Company. I asked the question to them, and they said, "We have the creativity of Italians, and we have the organization of Germans." Yes. And this is why the Danish brands are so good. Yeah, I think that's quite yeah? good set. That's good maybe way a good of saying set. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, so um, in your work, you have done these different roles. And uh, you were like a um, key account manager, sales manager. Uh, you did production. So, what is your key quality as a person? Hmm. I think uh, what I like to do, and what I, what people like to do, is probably what we also do best. I like to connect with people. I like to uh, create network. I like to um, I like to do business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like to see opportunities and grab them. And to get the best out of them, um, and then I like to get ideas, and 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 then also to be able to actually to to execute them afterwards, as to do the do the things, not just talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a mix of maybe creativity and 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 uh, then a business mindset, mm-hmm. which I combine. And then I like to say that I can talk with all kind of people in all kind of ways. So um, 
I hope this is uh, people see me this way as well. Do you have somebody in the fashion industry who you see as your uh, who believed in you, who gave you opportunities, mm. uh, and uh, for this reason you could grow in your career? Mm. You have an example of one person, which you adore, which you. Yeah, I think I've I've been lucky to meet a lot of people on my way, which has believed in what I've been doing, and also. But when I think back, I think the person who was probably meant the most for me career-wise is definitely my father because he's been my mentor also mm-hmm. and he's also been uh, active in in the business while I've been active in the business meaning that he's been on point with a lot of stuff so I, he's been a good sparing uh, in terms of, uh, of my career um, and then I think also um, that um, all the people who have hired me at some point have believed in me so I think that's not so in many individual persons but I think the first time I got from retail to wholesale there was there was somebody who hired me there to believe in me and, and also when Vagabond took me in very young and so on I think it was a big chance and I think I'm happy to to get the chance there so you need chances and you need somebody who yeah. believes in you early in career maybe too early sometimes to be able to grow as a person there will never be the perfect time to get a certain job or get a certain challenge so so up, up I think in many ways I've been lucky, but also, as you see in my resume, I've been many places short, relatively short time, so mm-hmm. also make mistakes maybe. You had also uh, a role as a manager, so you also were teaching other people as mm-hmm. a manager. So what uh, what were like the learnings you wanted to give you to your team? I think in, when I've been working as a manager, it's mainly been within sales. Mm-hmm. So it's very much been, and, and I think I have... Uh, what I, what I, as a person, I'm pr- very much a person. If I work with very structured people, I try to make them more creative. Mm-hmm. And I work with very creative people, I try to make them more structured. So I'm a like in between person, I think. Mm-hmm. So I can a little bit change after the circumstances I'm in. So when I work in, in in companies where it's very creative and unstructured, I try to become, you know, the more uh, grown up person who try. Okay, now we do need to structure that and please be on time, la la la, and these things. And when it's in a more uh, structured company, I try to challenge the status quo a little bit in terms of how we're doing stuff. And the people you worked with, like if you had young people in your team, were they better when they left the company as they came? They they learn a lot? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, hope so. I really you hope know. so. Uh, you you should know. probably <laughs> ask them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In... Uh, a certain moment uh, after all these uh, successful companies you decided to uh, start on your own that yes. was a certain moment yes uh, what was the reason that you decided to start your uh, started your own company your own business like uh, textile logistic was the first i i believe yes you, you done yeah uh, yeah textile logistics is actually a very s- a special story because we um i stopped working in with knowledge cotton in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, and it was a great journey with knowledge cotton apparel but it ended in a little bit in a bad way we did mm-hmm. disagreed about some stuff so i stopped working there and it was uh, back then that decision so um, that became uh, official in the company that i was stopping and there was some employees who came to me and said okay this is not fair we think it's a bad decision let's do something together and i guess this is what everybody dreams about when you st- stop in a company that people wants to do something with you so i was really proud about this but The thing was, we didn't have a plan or anything, actually. But uh, we we met up a couple of times 
and had a coffee and talked about what could we do. And uh, I met up with um, at that time the 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 warehouse manager uh, Torkel, who who, uh, who ran the warehouse at Knowledge Cotton Apparel, and um, and uh, we talked about. And it was actually it was his idea to say, okay, why don't we do a warehouse? Where we can, uh, where brands can outsource. And you uh, said yes. Why not? Why, uh, a warehouse. And I said this is a brilliant <laughs> idea. But uh, and then we started. Uh, then we started talking about it, and um, we and we calculated. And you should never calculate when you start a business because it's always a bad idea when you start calculating. So we. we What agreed. do you mean? Why? Because it, it, in theory, nothing is uh, possible, and in practice, you know, everything is possible. So I've learned that also to say, okay, if you look very black white on the numbers, you know. So it doesn't mean that you did more than what you calculated, or no? What uh, actually it, it means it is that we, we we try to make a budget on if you should start a warehouse company uh, or a logistic company, how much it would cost, and we came to I don't remember the amount, but it was so much money we didn't have it. So we we leave, left left the idea, uh, and then we kept contact, and then suddenly I re, I, I learned that uh, a logistic company close to where we live was bankrupt. So uh, we gathered at uh, Torkel and our first inv- third investor, uh, Michael, who to a meeting at night, and I think uh, we called this uh, the lawyer who was responsible for the bankruptcy. Uh, and uh, yeah, the short version is then we bought the company for a very low amount of money and uh, woke up the next morning thinking, oh my God, what have I done? I don't know anything about logistics. Exactly. But yeah. I was fortunate because we have uh, Torkel who is who knew everything about it, and he is today running the company, mm-hmm. and uh, is the CEO. And Mikkel and I is uh, is uh, co-investors and co-owners, and is sitting in the board. So Maybe you had a big vision because, uh, like, big impact is one of the key things at this moment with yeah, the internet it's, business. It's so been a, it's been a quite a good investment. Yes. And, uh, It's been a fantastic journey uh, the last five six years, so um, I'm very proud to be part of this. So you have still uh, 23% of the shares in this yeah, company. Around 23%, yeah, around 23%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now 120 employees. What I understood? Yeah, we have. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people uh, when you're busy. You need to do the packing. So I think we have about 15, 20 people in the office, and then uh, the rest of the people are doing the pick packing in I think in four different warehouses, now around 40,000 square meters. Mm-hmm. So uh, you seem to like somebody who loves to work for a company or a brand and now in startup uh, phases. Um, so if I look at all your jobs, yeah. uh, you're always with companies in like an early beginning. So mm. you seems like a hunter uh, to build something new, yeah, to yeah. build something from you're the right. scratch. Yeah, I think Do you recognize that in yourself? Yeah, I do that. I think that motivates me the, the most because I think to create something from from almost nothing and and give it life i think that makes sense uh, for me you know i would never fit in a big organization uh, a corporate organization i'm not like that you know mm-hmm. also when you look at my resume you'll see i didn't go to school a lot so so you know i'm not the first choice uh, for for either for mask or one of the big companies in denmark i would never they would never call me so yeah. so i need to find out to do something else to 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 To, to live off and I think for me it gives uh, a great feeling when you can actually create something and see something growing yeah, yeah. and you seem to be uh, under uh, 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 kind of learning uh, new things all the time because like in 2021 you uh, became advisory board member of LACOR yeah. so uh, this is totally something new again 
Uh, different from sales, different than logistics, mm. different than starting an own company. Mm. So you became an advisor. Yeah. So how did this uh, happen? Yeah, but uh, Lacor is a menswear brand, uh, mm-hmm. also based out of Denmark. And mm-hmm. the journey that that they are on is, is is relatively young now, and they do do well. And I saw obviously a, a match between the journey I've been on with Knowledge Cut, for example, and with other menswear brands, and where they are now. Um, So and I don't remember how it happened actually, but I think we went dialogue about something else, and they, I think as as far as I remember, we agreed that I could contribute as a as 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 a role with role like this. So this is very interesting for me, and in general, what I do now as a business and as a as a person, I love these small businesses, and I respect them a lot because I know how difficult it is to start from zero. So when I can help these smaller businesses grow and become more healthy, I'm very very proud to be a, to be. To be uh, to get the opportunity actually. Yeah, because so. like textile uh, logistic was the first uh, where you uh, became a partner in. Yeah. Then in 2021 uh, you became co-owner of House of Ecom. Yes. Like uh, it's a uh, you became a shareholder of yeah. the board. Yeah. And uh, so um, can you tell a little bit more about this company and yeah. what you're doing? Yeah. Basically, uh, House of. Uh, When I started Outgrowth and Partners, uh, it's, uh, we'll come back to this maybe, but this is yeah. a consultancy helping fashion brands to grow. Um, and um, I can help fashion brands to grow within wholesale and mm-hmm. within resale and within all the things I've been doing for the years. But I'd also know that uh, online business is is very, very important. And if I want to be a consultancy in the fashion business, I should be able to to offer this as well. And I don't have big knowledge within IT or within uh, online business. Obviously, I've done business with onlineers, but I didn't have a lot. So when I heard about uh, House of Ecom company, uh, I learned about this actually from Torkel also in, in textile logistics. Then I set up a meeting with them and said, okay, I have a network within uh, within the fashion industry and you want to be in the fashion industry, why? And you can help me also be a part of my business so I can actually offer this service to to my customers so mm-hmm. that was a super match so um, I invested a little bit of in this company through Outgrowth and Partners so um, and this is so a part of Outgrowth and Partners because this is the company you started recently like in 2020 yeah. uh, actually in the COVID period um, so uh, this is part of uh, your business of Outgrowth and Partners. I, I, I now, as I since very recently, own solely owned Outgrowth and Partners, mm-hmm. and Outgrowth and Partners owns a percentage of the shares in House of Ecom. Okay. Um, so this is the way we have chosen to do it. So it's separated 100% from textile logistics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And can you tell, because this is your company, what you are currently doing, yeah. Yeah, Outgrowth and Partners. So uh, this is, uh, in. Uh, you started this in uh, 2020, yes. during the COVID period. Yes. Can you tell uh, the reason for the name? So why you yeah. choose the name, and the what you are doing yeah. as a company? The name is a, is a challenge every day because people can't spell so spell it and they can't pronounce it on email. But apart from that, the idea about outgrowth and partners is that the word outgrowth is uh, a mix of of outsourcing out yeah. and growth uh, growth uh, of course. So okay. so so what the idea about is is that I think uh, we can help people grow by outsourcing because many of these small and medium-sized co- um, companies that we work with they don't have the capacity capacity or the financials to to invest in for example a sales manager or e-commerce manager so we would like to help them to grow 
uh, on, on, on smaller investments made more often than instead of bigger investments made made uh, made not so often. Um, so so this is this should make it uh, how can you say accessible for for everybody to have a good e-commerce uh, sparring or sales manager sales sales sparring within sales and e-commerce. Uh, so this is the vision of the company to tools to help these small and medium-sized design companies in Denmark. Uh, and not only grow. fashion, eh? it's lifestyle business. So Until it can now be it's been mainly fashion, mainly but, fashion, but lifestyle business in general. Yeah. Obviously, I have yeah. my network is, is 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 better and the best in um, within uh, the the fashion industry. Yeah. So, but could also be lifestyle business. Yeah. So, and can you mention an example? So, what kind of service you offer? Yes. Like if if you have a brand, yeah. so how does it work? Yeah. Uh, what do you offer them? First of all, when I start working for a brand, I work. Uh, obviously, I can work. Uh, I can work remote. I can work interim with them and be in their company. Mm-hmm. But uh, we always start by a process where we discuss uh, status quo and what, how they're doing, and what they want to do, and also very important why they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think everybody who owns a company, they want to grow. Because they've learned in the Danish business school that they should grow, but mm-hmm. also sometimes put in the question and say why we should grow and and how should we do it and start a little bit more further behind than normal, because then then I'm certain when we start the process that um, that they really want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so an example could be that we start with a company and they say they want to enter the German market and they are, for example, uh, and I say okay, why should the German consumers buy your brand? They say, okay, we are a sustainable brand, and I tell them back, okay, maybe you are sustainable in your mind, but your your product is not sustainable. So I help them, uh, advising them, for example, to get the right certifications and ma- being ready for German market, and then afterwards I help them find the right agents, or I can also try and set up meetings with the right accounts to start with the German markets, and this whole process uh, is maybe six nine months. It can also be a bit shorter, but. Um, Instead of being there every every day, uh, and they have to pay me a full salary, maybe I'm there once a week. And, and they them. pay you a salary, or they pay you like a, a percentage of uh, the turnover. They, they pay me normally. Uh, they pay me uh, per hour. So mm-hmm. uh, so we start by discussing. Okay, how much time do you need from me a week? Do you need 10 hours, 20 hours, five hours? Um, and then like we're either remote or, or in the company. And uh, then we fix this cost for a period of time, and we set some aims for what we should achieve together, and that's the way we work, really. And which kind of brands? Can you mention some brands, or is this like a secret? Or no, I'm, I'm not so keen on mentioning the name of the brands, but okay. but I can say until now it's both with menswear and, and female ladies wear, uh, and a little bit uh, also for children kids wear. So, yeah. but but uh, it's been uh, typical Danish Scandinavian brands, uh, so it can be. It can be. It's not so much to do with the segments. It's more about what they want to do, yeah. and and we can work for three months together. We can work for twelve months. Together. And you work like with subscriptions that they pay like a certain amount per month, like what you see like in the internet business that you take like subscriptions, or this is not what you're doing. Not really, because you know it's it's more paid per hour, but it's also I guess a kind of subscription. But uh, it's also until now the jobs I've done is not very. It's not been so focused on one or two projects. It's also yeah. being a part of where the business are. So it's difficult to to make a plan and say these are the three points we need to achieve. I'm also very fast in in more companies. I'm also typically also in the, in the 
in sitting in the what's it called the leadership board or a, a part of the management. So, um, so this is also part of it. So and you work with like uh, different partners uh, to give service to these uh, brands. Yes. So, what kind of partners do I have to think about? Is it like the logistic and the e-commerce, or are there more? It can also, for example, within sustainability, we have a company. Sustainability, yeah. Uh, where uh, I work with them, and I, I can't even say I work with them because there's no finance or no money between us I just advise the companies to use them because I've used them many times myself I know they can do uh, what they needs, needs to be done in terms of these sustainable certificates etc that's a good example very good partners uh, so I know when I give them a job I know mm-hmm. they can fix it and I also have partners within platform sales and obviously House of Ecom also with uh, running B2C business uh, we have the logistics center logistic company can be We can take over all the business from 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 a brand, but we can also just help with with individual cases uh, yeah. on 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 getting the, the the garments home in time or or anything else. So that's also a great network. And then I also work a lot with the clearing goods and stocks yeah. from uh, for the companies. That's what everybody wants all the time to clear stock from last season to a high so it's like 360 degree service you can offer different elements mostly within where I do the things myself is mostly within sales and exports uh, and connecting people and, and recruitment but but uh, in terms of the partners I have it can be everything really yeah. and if we, I don't have a partner for what they wish I can find one Yeah. so this is and, and also the network I have from 15 20 years back is important here because if they need something It can also be the right accountant, and it can also be the right bookkeeper, and say, "Okay, we need this," and then yeah. I know this guy. So, yeah, I so I try and, and contribute as much as much as possible, obviously. Yeah. And what I uh, read is that you are mm. successful from the first moment, and this is, of course, really uh, amazing because you started in a very difficult area mm. of the fashion industry in the COVID period. Mm. So, how did you manage to be profitable from the first moment? Um, yeah, I think f- first of all, I didn't put my cost too high. <laughs> This <laughs> keep is it important. The cost low, yeah. yeah, I keep the cost low, and 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 then I think I was, uh, I didn't. The setup I have, uh, I don't need so many uh, customers to 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 uh, have a good business, and uh, yeah, I was just lucky to have a lot, a lot enough to do, and also a big big uh, important thing thing for this concept I do is also sometimes to have the opportunity to say no to to a task if you don't think you can contribute or you don't think the the match is there between uh, a customer and, and me then obviously uh, once you should no thank you uh, and uh, and this is also important for the image as a consultant that you don't take don't take everything in yeah so you say uh, also sometimes no yeah exactly yeah. It's it, um, You can't solve every everything. No, so, exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. So uh, you have uh, a lot of experience now, more than 20 years. You have uh, a lot of commercial and uh, a lot of interpersonal uh, skills you have done uh, the last years. If I would call somebody of your clients, what would they say that is your best skill from your the, the client point of view? I think uh, in the network. The network. Yeah, I yeah. think what they pay for really is... Of course, me trying to make some business which are profitable for them. But I think the network in Europe, within uh, all the people I've met through the years, yeah. um, and then maybe the ability to see opportunities. So, what is the next step for your company, for yourself? Yeah. So now you are uh, 42. Yes. So let's say for the next 20 years, what is your vision, your plan? Um, I want to spend as much time as possible with with work. 
uh, stuff that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to, you know, when I finish my career, I would like to look back to actually and have made some kind of difference also for for other companies. Um, and then some short term, uh, I'm very much now looking into recruitment. In in the fashion business, like 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 you also do. You follow me, yeah? I follow you exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so uh, so uh, so I think there's a big market for this because what I've seen last 12 months in many many companies is that first of all, right now, obviously, it's difficult to find the right people because there is a lot to do and and less people to to do the work. But also, I think in the fashion business, recruit, recruitment and hiring people in the fashion business, fashion business is so much different. From other businesses, and many of the recruiters I know in Denmark, they come from other businesses uh, and with other point of views, which are great in other businesses. But in the fashion business, you need to understand certain things to to understand how people's mindset are and how it is to work in a certain company and what is the difference between working in a small and a big company, etc. And, and they should fit with the brand. And if you, yeah, it should fit with the brand. And if you look at my resume, you know I've almost worked in all the companies in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, for all so the I know, Danish companies, yeah. <laughs> you know them all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I've, I've tried to onboard as a as an employee many, many times in in good ways and bad ways. I've also tried to leave companies in good ways and in bad ways. Uh, and me thinking back 20 years, I think I have quite a good idea of what it takes to to hire right people, but also to to onboard them. And now if you look back, uh, you've been a long time a full employer employee and now you have your own business. Mm. What's the best in your point of view? I think uh, the best in having your own business is that uh, you are your own boss. So uh, if you want to go right, you go right. If you want to go left, you go left. Mm-hmm. And I think always in my life, I maybe I started a li- actually a little bit late but having my own business. I've talked about this since I was uh, maybe 18 or 20 or 22. So I always wanted to do it, but I didn't really have the... Maybe I got some jobs I was very happy for. I, I, I felt like uh, it was too expensive to start my own company. Mm-hmm. But I learned later in life there's many ways of starting a company. You don't have to risk it all. Uh, the first uh, six months with a collection, you can also do it in, in, in other ways. In steps, yes. In steps, Exactly. Or supported by some other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who was your support team in your life? Like, uh, which people supported you in your business? Like, maybe financial or with advice? As I think for me, it was never a big issue in terms of the financial part because the companies that I founded was started was not so expensive to start. Mm-hmm. It was more about about the, the mental aspect, and I think my wife has been fantastic there because she's been. Um, She's been listening to me. We met, I think, we met when I was 27 or 28. Now I'm 42, and she's been listening to this about having my own company for many years. At some point, she and just stills said, with you. She's still, she's still with me, yeah. with and you. we actually got two kids together. And yeah, we're so. quite quite happy for each other. But so so um, so so I think she supported me, uh, and she at one point she I remember she just told me, okay, you gotta. I just got to do something. You've been talking about this for for 15 years. It's the moment now. It's yeah. the moment now. And, and But the step wasn't that dramatic with Outgrowth and Partners because we already founded Textile Logistics. I think Textile Logistics, even though I was not part of running the company in the start, was actually the biggest step for me because it was, it was my first VAT number. And, uh, you know... First things, yeah, first company. First it's company. A, a very special. It was very special. I remember yeah. waking up the day after we bought it from the bankruptcy and thinking, "Oh my God, I'm gonna die!" And it, I'm, I tell, I will not tell the amount what we paid here, but it was very, very, very low. So yeah, it's not a lot yeah. of money, but still, it felt like, "Ooh, uh, ooh, this is crazy. <laughs> it's a lot of money." Maybe. Yeah. And, I, and I remember when I think back, the the thing I was most afraid of was, you know, 
if we got 10 or 12 customers and we didn't deliver yeah. uh, in the fashion business where I've been in 20 years, it would yeah. be so embarrassing. So I think for many, uh, for I know for, for Torkel also and for Michael and for me, it was so important to show the world that we can do this. This uh, was really the first year was survival and to show the world, okay, we can survive. The next year was, okay, we want to make a good result. And the third year was, okay, now we need to grow and have a really good business. That's great. So it was a, it was a cool journey, really. Absolutely. Is. And is your family, uh, your father and your wife, are they proud on what you achieved? I think so. Uh, I guess they are. They uh, never tell you? Ah, they do, they do, they do. So uh, they, are, they are proud of it and they... They are a big part of it also in many ways because uh, I think uh, we've been talking about, as a, in our family, my, my parents and my, my, my brother and sister, and now back in, back in the days when I still lived at home, we had at some point to agree don't talk about uh, business at the table because it was only talk about uh, fashion. fashion business and, and who is doing what and what is happening, who is bankrupt, who is making money. At some point I remember my sister and my mother saying, okay, At, le at least my mother saying, okay, can Stop we please it. discuss something else? Yeah. So uh, so we always talked about business in my home. Uh, yeah. And I, before I actually met many of the people in the business, I already felt like I knew them. Mm -hmm. Because my father told so much about these companies and these guys and the stories in the business. And like uh, Denmark is a small... It's really, it's really like small. A village. It's like a village. It's like a village in Europe and especially in the fashion business, everybody knows each other. Exactly. So yeah, you have exactly. to be relatively you have to act relatively decent otherwise you'll otherwise you'll get in trouble because exactly, everybody exactly. knows each other yeah, yeah. and uh, if young people are listening now to this podcast what would be your advice for their career what would you advise young people i, I don't know it, it's difficult to give uh, some person advice which I, which i haven't met but what i would say in general is that if if There will be tough times if they are ambitious and they want to achieve something. There will be tough times and also be times where they think, okay, this is impossible, I'm not good enough and uh, I'm really bad at what I do and uh, uh, this has never happened to any for anything, anybody before me and I can only say I've tried, I've, I think I have almost tried all challenges and tried everything. I've been out of a job, I've been I've been out of a job for a long time, I've, I've, I've been fired in good jobs where I was happy. Uh, I've had to find my own way again and... So, so maybe today, if at some point people think that I look successful, I really want them to think, say, okay, maybe I have become successful, but it has been a tough journey. And for most people, it will be a tough journey. So it's all about enjoying the ride instead of just only focusing on the goals. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the ride and don't be... Don't don't cry too much if it becomes tough because... Stand up and go on. Things Things change all the time. Exactly. Yeah. What do you believe that are the, the most important roles will be for the future? Jobs? Like what kind of jobs? I think there will be two kind of different important roles. I think obviously one of them, uh, which are difficult not to talk about, is e-commerce and online business. Um, and uh, I think this will be extremely important. And I think uh, it's important to have people who can run the business and, and understand this business 360 degrees. Not only the numbers, not only the technical part, but 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 the whole thing about running online business. And then I think, especially within five or ten years from now, I think uh, it will be important to have people who can combine the knowledge from people. You know, people, people. You know, HR people who can say, okay, we have a digital department, online department. We have a buying department. We have a creative department. We, these people are very, very different people, even more different than they used to be uh, 20 years ago. 
So you have to make a certain have a certain level of empathy to make these people connect and talk to each other and share knowledge. Uh, and this is where I have my hopes. I hope I can do this because I'm not a technical guy. I'm not an IT guy. Yeah. So I think the human perspective is uh, is very important because uh, the generation which are 10, 15, 20 years younger than me, they are not in the same way as me uh, and as you probably were also educated within sales and communications. They are more educated within numbers and online and social media. So they kind of some of them will kind of miss out uh, the education part about communicating with people in a good way just talk with somebody yeah yeah, yeah. they are more on the phone than yeah, talking they, with people yeah i see it very often when i have meeting with young people that they, they they start by by opening their computer and putting them in front of them yeah and i don't even know them yet they don't know me yeah where i say okay let's leave the computer i don't say it but i think it let's leave the computer maybe for 15 20 minutes and talk together get to know each other and afterwards we can talk numbers and factual stuff yeah um, so i think this is what where we as a little bit more mature, uh, like older people, in the future at least, older people uh, have something to do with this uh, generation. We need to help them to communicate in a professional way. Absolutely, I agree. And then, Peter, the very last question is uh, for a real believer's uh, person. What was your if you believe you can do moment in your life? <laughs> I think when I, I thought a little about this and uh, I think I think Back in the days when I was 18 years old and I had the guts to go to, to London on my own, or actually with my cousin, who was also there, um, I think that was quite brave when I look back because uh, I went out of school, I stopped school education and went over there. And I think I was brave, but I also think actually that my my parents was very brave to let me go. Uh, I think it was quite uh, quite cool to, to let me go instead of finish my school, say, okay, let's take a year's break, go do something that you want to do. Uh, so I think that was quite brave, actually. Very brave, absolutely. This was episode one of the podcast, If You Believe You Can, from Frenzy van den Berg and Pieter Nieber. Thank you very much for coming all to Utrecht and for your interesting story of your career. Thank you for inviting. Thanks for listening, believers.